Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, so that wasn't quite the Rolling Stones. That was more like the Rolling Pebbles, but we hope that you, <laughs> you understand the point of what this series is, is all about. It is a privilege for me to be here with you today as we move into part two of this series, The Grass is Always Greener. Uh, Kathleen started us off last week and talked about this concept of greener grass and what does that look like? Whenever I travel to another state and I tell people that I'm from Long Island, this is the response I usually get. Oh, Long Island, huh? Oh, you're from Long Island, Long Island. (laughs) Hey, this is Daniel, he lives in Long Island. (laughs) First of all, it's on Long Island, not in Long Island. All right, can I get an amen? All right. Secondly, okay, you're right. We do have a lot of lawn guys uh, on Long Island. Uh, We really do care about our lawns here a lot. How many of you are lawn guys or gals? How many of you love landscaping and taking care of your grass and making sure it's good? If it's not you, it's probably your neighbor. So um, I have the utmost respect for the lawn guy or gal. My uncle is a classic lawn guy. He would mow his lawn multiple times a week. He would measure it with a ruler to make sure it was all the same height. And I'm sort of exaggerating, but not really. He was pretty intense about it. And he had a Tony Stark level sprinkler system and the greenest grass you'll ever see and not a speck of crabgrass to be found anywhere. He recently retired and sold his his house here on the island and moved to a newly built house uh, in Virginia. And while it was being finished, he was... He was all tense and agitated because he couldn't mow his new lawn yet. Uh, Finally, last week, my mom uh, showed me uh, an update, a a text update from my aunt of a photo of him on his riding mower on his front lawn saying, he's finally at home. So, (laughs) lawn guy or gal, I salute you. Um, I did not inherit any of those genes. Um, I'm actually convinced that uh, lawns die when they sense that I'm near. Um, When I drive through your neighborhood, it's like the Stranger Things monster you know, rushing through the farms of Hawkins, Indiana, everything green just withers up and turns brown. That's my, my landscaping uh, skills. So um, living on Long Island, it is really easy to get that lawn envy. But if it's not the lawn envy for you, it could be the car envy, or the job envy, or the vacation envy, or the relationship envy, or for whatever the thing on Instagram other people have envy. For most of us, the idea of greener grass is the desire that is in us for something more, for something different, for something better. Something we're going to get that's going to make us wake up one day and say, I've arrived. I'm here. My grass is so green. Look at all this around me. But the issue with that is it's so hard to come by. And really, we can never achieve that on our own. And like Kathleen said last week, and you probably remember, is that a lot of people spend their whole lives chasing it. They never get it, but they just keep on chasing it. They just keep going after it, thinking, I'm going to get there, I'm going to get there, I'm going to get there. And then for others of us, we get it, and we realize that it doesn't actually satisfy. Today, I want to talk to a specific group of people here. 
for a specific group of people that when you hear this idea about greener grass, you're like, well, I might as well just check out because this series is not for me. The idea of green grass in my life is so dead and gone, so far away that I've just given up on it. In fact, for me, I would say that greener grass seems simply unattainable. And I know that there's some of you here that when you look at your life, that's truly how you feel. You think, it has just not gone the way that I expected it to. Now, my purpose here is not to dissuade you from having dreams. Having dreams for your life, having dreams for your future is a wonderful thing. I grew up with tons of dreams. I hope you did too. Dreams are awesome. They get you out of bed in the morning. They give you a reason to be hopeful for your life. They give you things to strive for. Dreams in and of themselves are pretty awesome. I had a lot of them when I was growing up. Some of them were totally insane. Adorable, but insane. Like, I wanted to time travel with Doc Brown. I still kind of do. I really want time travel to be real. If I ever ran into some nut job on the street claiming they were a time traveler, I would probably believe them just out of principle. You know, they come up to me, I'm from the future. And you sure are, buddy, I believe you. Here's a dollar, please don't hurt me. One of my biggest dreams when I was younger, I wanted to have a comic strip in the funny pages of the newspaper. I hate to be that remember when guy, but for those of you who are too young to remember, the best thing about Sundays was getting the newspaper and you'd get like eight to 10 big fold out pages of color comic strips. Peanuts, Calvin and Hobbes, Garfield, uh, The Far Side. I wanted to be Charles Schultz or Bill Watterson. I wanted that to be my job. I always loved drawing and art, and I was pretty good at it, so it seemed like a no-brainer. What I didn't understand at the time was you couldn't just apply for that to be your job. The strips you saw in the paper were like 0.0001% of the people who were trying, maybe even higher odds than making it as a professional athlete. In hindsight, the monotony of drawing the same thing every day of my whole life probably would have bored me. And, and I'm happy that I eventually got to use some of my art skills in my career. Plus, here in the future, print media is pretty much dead, so I've made peace with that particular unfulfilled dream. It's one thing to not have a dream come true because it's not actually possible, or at the very least, highly improbable. It's another thing when you're dreaming of something totally normal and reasonable that everyone else around you seems to have, but you don't. It didn't take me too long in life to discover that there's no guarantee that just because you want something doesn't mean that it's going to work out. Like the song in the beginning said, we don't always get what we want. That's just not the way it works. We might think it's like that, like if you do this, then you'll get that, and that's kind of the equation for how life works. But I learned pretty early that we don't always get what we want, regardless of our planning, regardless of our scheming, regardless of how deserving we think we are. My real dream was to have a body that worked normally. 
You see, I was born with a congenital bleeding disorder. Um, I have a condition called hemophilia, which prevents my blood from clotting normally. And there's a lot of tangents I can go off on when I'm talking about this, so I'm going to oversimplify it for the, for the purpose of today's message. What that means for me is that lots of typical physical tasks that people do every day without a second thought were and still are kind of dangerous for me, sometimes even to the point of fatal. What for you might be a bump on the leg that disappears so quickly that you forget it even happened, or for me become a noticeable, sizable bruise that will take a couple of weeks to, to clear. And that's just on the mild end of the spectrum. Uh, a blow to the head would put me in very serious danger. Debilitating injuries were a pretty normal part of life for me. It made life tough, especially as a kid trying to find his place in the world. There's all sorts of trouble and shenanigans that we get into from the time that we're young that help us understand how our bodies work, pushing our physical limits to find out what we're capable of, whether it's playing contact sports or skateboarding or climbing trees or pretending to be a pro wrestler with your friends. There's fun and there's joy in that. There's community in that. And I could never really be fully part of it except as a spectator. More than anything, I wanted to play organized sports. I wanted to be part of a team. I wanted to make diving catches. I wanted to break tackles. I wanted to give and receive body checks in hockey. It didn't matter if I was good or not. And then when I got a little older and I got more into music, I wanted to go into the mosh pit and be part of this mass of people slamming into each other, but having the best time in the world while they do it. I felt like I was missing out on a huge part of life, and it just made me bitter. It made me feel like I was less. How come God didn't allow me to have these totally normal things that everyone else around me has? Why do they get to have them? And I don't. I had trouble seeing past it, like there was no way I could have a life that brought me joy. And I'm sure on most days that's not you, but maybe on those dark days when that dream you've had for so long seems so far off in the distance, maybe you can connect with that. Maybe you resonate with some of those same feelings. Maybe for you it's your job situation. Maybe you've been without a job for a really long time and you just wonder how long is this going to last? Or maybe you're in a job that feels like it's going nowhere because everybody else around you keeps getting promoted and you're stuck in the same place. But you can't quit because you need the money and you just feel trapped. Maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a dating relationship or a marriage and it's just not going the way that you thought it would. Something happened, a trust has been broken, and you find yourself in the place where you're just like, this is not what I signed up for. And honestly, when I look at the future, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of hope that it's going to get any better. Some of you aren't in a relationship and you want one so bad, you're like, I'd take a mediocre one over none at all. 
Maybe it's not a relationship for you. Maybe it, for you, it's a different kind of medical diagnosis. Maybe you're in chemo and you're battling cancer. Or maybe it's a parent or a spouse or someone near that you love dearly and you think, are they going to be able to beat this? I don't know what it is for you, but for all of us, when we find ourselves in that place where green grass just seems so far away, when there seems to be little hope, the question that I know I have asked and probably you have asked too is, what do we do with all of these emotions? Because they're here. They're inside us. They're real. They're showing up whether you want them to or not. What do we do with them? Or maybe it's this question. How do we manage the pain? Because the pain is real. The pain can be raw. The pain can be overwhelming at times. And sometimes you think, I don't know how I'm going to get out of bed today. Because that's how real the pain is. All of us, when we find ourselves in seasons like that, we're probably looking for answers. So today I want to share with you something from the life of King David. Kathleen introduced us to David last week, but David, what you may or may know about him is when he was a young child, a prophet came to him and said, one day you're gonna be king. And for many, many, many years that didn't come true. And things in David's life actually seemed to get kind of worse. He ended up having lots of victories in battle, but that just put people against him. And now he had all these enemies, particularly King Saul, who was after him. But one of the remarkable things about David is that he was a writer and a musician. So, so much of what he thought and felt in those really challenging seasons of life are captured for us in this book in the Old Testament called the Psalms. So today I want to read to you from Psalm 13 because I think it speaks a lot into this topic that we're talking about today. So David says this in Psalm 13 verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read these verses together and then we'll dissect them a little bit. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. The first thing David said in that, in that section was, O Lord, how long will it take for you? How long will you forget me? Forever, how long will you look the other way? One thing that I know about suffering is that when you're in the middle of it, it feels like it's never going to end, right? It feels like, where is this light at the end of the tunnel I've heard so much about? Is it out there somewhere? Maybe it's out there, but where is it? When is it going to end? And this was David in this moment saying, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? Do you ever feel like in times of suffering or sorrow that you can't find God in the moment? It's like, where are you? I need you to show up. 
David goes on to say, how long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Those seasons that are so dark, when you just wrestle all day long, it's like you want to focus on something else. You don't want to focus on the pain and think about how hard it is. But man, that pain and that sorrow is so real and so fresh. It's like, how do we even move past that? How do you stop wrestling? What do you do with all of this sorrow? What do you do when you feel like people are triumphing over you? David goes on to say, turn and answer me, O Lord, my God. Restore, restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat. We have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. For David, his life was literally on the line. There were people chasing after him that not only wanted him to fail, they wanted to take his life. So his life was in danger and he knew that he was in a really, really dark place. He knew that if God didn't show up, he might just lose his life. And that is a pretty dark place to be. Some of you today, you're in this place today where you're like, yeah, I kind of get what David is feeling. So if you were to rewrite this psalm today, what might you say? What would you insert in its place? Would you say, how long, Lord, do I have to wait to have a child? How long do I have to deal with this diagnosis? How long will I be alone? How long will my son or daughter go on making bad, destructive decisions? How long do I have to wait to see you show up in this situation where I really need your help, where I need you to rescue me? Oh Lord, how long? Have you ever had a season like that? Maybe you've never been that gut level honest with God before, but maybe you should be. If you need permission to do that, consider it granted. God wants us to be real with him. There has to be a way forward. The question we all have to wrestle with is this. How do we answer the question of when our dreams of greener grass have been replaced with rocky soil? How do we move forward? Last week, Kathleen gave us a really good way of summarizing how we express our mistrust at God when we just keep wanting, wanting, wanting. Thanks, but thank you for everything, but it's not quite what I had in mind. Today, we're gonna flip that on its ear a little bit. There's a different but in Psalm 13. Psalm 13 started with all that stuff from David we just talked about. We're going to pick it up again from verse 5. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Lord, I hate everything about this and I'm hurting but I trust you. Lord, I feel like I'm being slowly crushed to death by the anxiety, the depression, the physical pain, but I trust you. Lord, I'm deep in the pit and there doesn't seem to be any way of climbing out, but I trust in your unfailing love. 
It's like David was able to push pause on his present circumstances. He's on the run. He's being chased. He knows his life is in danger. And yet he stops in the middle of it all and says, you know what, though, God? I trust in your unfailing love because it's unfailing, because it's been with me. It is with me right now. And I know this much is true. I'm going to go ahead and rejoice in your salvation, even though you haven't saved me yet. Even though I'm still here waiting for you to show up and save my life, I know that I can rejoice in your salvation because you've gotten me out of sticky spots before. David was able to pull back and have this perspective. And he wraps up by saying, I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. David makes a choice. David stopped to say, even though my situation seems bleak, even though my circumstances are not what I wanted, even though greener grass died for me a long time ago, I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. And I have no doubt that when David wrote that, things were coming to his mind. He was thinking about all the ways that God had been good to him. And so what I learned from David and what I think we can all take away from this is that when the dreams of greener grass have become replaced with rocky soil, the way to move forward is to shift our focus. Shift our focus to what? We have to try to expand this tunnel vision to look up and say, I may not have this thing that I want right now in this present moment, but let me take a step back and look out and see what I do have. Remember the answered prayers, the littlest ones. Even if in your place of pain you can only remember one, start there. Then you'll remember another one, and then another one. And if you keep doing that, you'll find for yourself that God is safe. He's a sturdy foundation you can stand on. For David, he was able to do that, and it changed his outlook completely. It leads us to gratitude. When we can shift our perspective off of what we don't have and look at what we do have, it gets a little less dark. My story doesn't wrap up in a nice little bow. On this side of heaven, none of our stories do. I'm still walking with God through it, and I still have far more questions than I do answers. But I can also stand here and tell you the truth when I say I don't think I would be where I am today without being honest with God about what I was going through. I can't explain it, but God's invitation to bring my pain before him allowed me to see more of him, more of his goodness, more of his kindness, more of his mercy. It allowed me to find joy and gratitude because his proximity illuminated all that he was doing in my life. Your story is still unfinished because you're still breathing. You will continue to experience both joy and heartache. God wants you to thrive and love the life you've been given because he's not done with you yet. Your life is still full of so many possibilities. When you can find yourself in that place where you can truly recognize not everything in my life is perfect, it hasn't gone the way that I thought it would, but I can be grateful in this moment for what God has done, that is life-changing. 
And I know in a room of this size, there are a lot of different kinds of dreams that are at different places of being fulfilled or not. For those of you who wrote off God a long time ago because your dream never came true, the green grass never became your reality, you get a pass. If you think it's ridiculous to believe that God is ultimately good, I'm not going to try to change your mind. But even if you leave God out of it, choosing gratitude is still the best option. You will be a more hopeful, joyful, inspired person if you can even identify just a couple of things that are going well in your life. For those of you who do have that relationship with God, even on your darkest days, you, like David, have so much to be grateful for. You can trust that even in your disappointment, in your frustration, and in your pain, in God's unfailing love, you can be confident and celebrate that your future is set and in good, trustworthy hands. You can praise the Lord because he has been good to you. I do want to create some space for you, some space for you to answer this question. Where in your life can you see God's goodness? In a moment, the band is going to return with a song called Gratitude. And I'd like for you to think about that question as we're singing together. I mean, I mean, today, right now, in your present circumstances, where can you see signs of God's goodness? It doesn't mean that the pain has gone away. It doesn't mean that you're just supposed to ignore what hasn't been completed in your life that you want to experience. It doesn't mean any of that. But could you just for a few moments raise up your eyes off of this thing that is just so wrapping you up that you can't see past it? Could you set it aside just for a moment and say, where in my life have I seen God's goodness? Taking a moment to recognize God's work in your life might just make all the difference. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for, for your goodness, for your love, that we can always depend on you no matter what we see in front of us, no matter what we think our circumstances are like, Father, no matter what we've missed out on, that your goodness is something that we can lean into and trust in, that we can sing to you even when we um, might not want to, Lord. We pray that as we go about our weeks that you would help us to remember that and help us to shine your light and love to the world around us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone, and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.